Hey guys, Brad here. Are you a new investor or are you a seasoned investor that enjoys the podcast, but you just can't seem to wrap your head around notes and subject to creating wraps as well as the various other things that I talk about? There's one thing that I see that is really common with most real estate investors, especially wholesalers, and it's this. If you aren't creating notes, then you are leaving more money on the table than you are actually making. If you want to change this in your business, then reach out to me at brad at bradsmotherman.com. We are opening our apprentice program in just a few weeks, and in this program, we work together on deals, one-on-one, and we profit share in your local market. Are you ready to have a real mentor instead of just buying another course? Reach out to me, brad at bradsmotherman.com. Hey guys, Brad here with Investor Creator, and today we're going to be talking about the 10 owner finance questions that I've received from my friend Luke on Facebook. But before we get there, I want to talk about the deal of the day. This is a transaction that came together just a few days ago, and it's one of the transactions that I really like because in this deal, we're getting 0% owner financing from our seller. So to tell you about this transaction, and our listenership has just gone through the roof, so I really don't want to give too much detail on who the person is, but basically this guy has been out of work for three years, and he bought a triplex free and clear. He paid $80,000 cash for it five years ago. And I don't really understand the situation because he seems like an intelligent person. He seems like a skilled person, but for whatever reason, he can't find a job, right? So he has gone through his savings and now he has this free and clear property that he needs to sell. So to tell you about the numbers, like I said, he paid $80,000 cash five years ago. We're buying this property for $85,000 and it's probably worth as is somewhere around $110,000. And that's really not a great spread. You know, I'm not exactly thrilled about paying $85,000 cash for a $110,000 property. But as I've alluded to, we didn't pay $85,000 cash. So in this transaction, we're paying $25,000 at closing and $500 per month for 10 years. Okay. So the $500 payments are principal payments. There's no interest associated with this loan. And we actually got this loan on a promissory note. So there's no deed of trust recorded against the property also. So um, he has security and my ability to pay it back, but we have the ability to cash out of the property if we choose. Well, I'm not a rental guy. As you guys know, I'm not a huge fan of rentals. I really like the note business, but I think that this is a a property that I'm going to have to keep as a rental as much as it pains me to say it. And I know I'm going to eat some crow with some of you guys out there. And that's fair because I've talked quite a bit about, you know, how notes are better than rentals. But with every rule, there's an exception. And this is the exception, guys, because this is a triplex that's currently throwing off $1,800 per month in cash flow. So the gross rents are $1,800. I'll have $500 going to my seller. And of course, there's some vacancy and repair that's associated with those numbers. But effectively, this is how I look at this transaction, is we're going to pay $25,000 cash to capture an asset that's worth one ten today. And then that asset is going to pay me every month until I get my cash back. And then at some point, it's going to be a free and clear payment. So uh, I hope that makes sense. It's a transaction that I was really excited to get. I am happy to, to put that deal together. And it's a deal that I, I think everybody should do. But one of the questions I'm probably going to get on that is why not owner finance it? If you're an owner finance guy, why not owner finance it? So to talk about that, like I said, the gross rents on this thing is 1800 a month. Well, there's no way that I could sell this thing, even with owner financing, at a close enough payment to where it would 
come close to matching the net rental income that this property is going to throw off. So to put numbers to it, let's say after vacancy and repair, I'm at somewhere around $1,200 per month net rent, okay? I can't get a PI payment that approaches $1,200 per month because I can't sell it at a high enough price, all right? So this is just one that we're going to keep. It has uh, new windows. It's uh, it's a 1920s build, so it has like the really cool fireplaces, Art Deco-style mantles and fireplaces in each unit. Each unit is a two-bedroom, one-bath, has updated kitchens and baths, new windows, new roof. The siding is in good shape, so I was really happy to pick this one up, but it's a good deal. I also want to tell you about a separate deal that we're working on, and I don't have this one under contract quite yet, but this is a deal that I'm going to use to fund my daughter's education. So my daughter's three and a half, and to tell you the numbers on this one, the lady called in. She's currently in bankruptcy, uh, but she owes $220,000 on a house that's worth two eighty, and she's willing to sell it to us for $5,000 in walkaway money, and we're going to take the two twenty subject too. So I'm going to keep this one actually as a rental as well. And I'm going to put it into a trust for my little girl. I'll be the the trustee and she'll be the beneficiary. Well, if we fast forward 13 or 14 years from now when she gets to go to college, if she chooses to go, and I'm not a huge proponent of college. I think if she wants to go, she, she can. If she doesn't, then that's fine too. But what we're going to do is we will then retail out of that house. Well, the payment will go, the, the principal amount on the mortgage will go from 220 roughly down to 150 at that point. And the value should go from 280 close to 400 across the next 13 or 14 years. And so with that, she'll have close to, you know, 300 or so, uh, 250 or so thousand dollars that she can use for her education if that's what she chooses. And that should hopefully, uh, she gets some scholarships, but that should go a long way towards her ed- education at that point. So let's talk about the owner finance questions that I received. So these 10 questions were from my friend, Luke Mitchell. Uh, Luke's a Facebook friend, newer friend of mine. He's an aspiring real estate investor, has a lot of potential. So Luke, I appreciate the questions. And we're going to go through these rapid fire. Uh, I've not seen these questions, so this is going to be top of mind. And I'm going to try and do 10 questions in 10 minutes. But for those of you who know me well enough, you know that's probably not going to happen. So uh, we're going to check it out. So question number one. As someone who is somewhat real estate knowledgeable, like myself as a wholesaler, what would be the best steps to take to get started in subject to? All right. So to talk about that, the first thing that we have to define is what is subject to. So subject to is when we buy a house. So we take the deed subject to some type of lien. So that that lien may be a mortgage. It may be a, a tax lien or IRS lien or judgment, but something is owed on the house and we're taking title subject to that lien. Okay. So that means that the lien remains in place. So it could be that there's still debt associated with our seller and we are taking title to the property subject to that debt. Okay. So what would be the best steps to take to get started in subject to? Well, it really comes down to that this business is a marketing business. So if you're looking to do subject to deals, number one, you have to have motivated seller lead flow. Secondly, you have to have the the negotiation framework that's in place that allows you to to systematically buy equity from the front door to the contract every single time. And then thirdly, you need the deal structure in mind that takes your negotiation down the road that you want it to go. So the part that people miss if they're wholesalers is they don't understand deal structure. So you maybe you can negotiate a good price on a deal, but what I would submit to you is if someone is willing to sell to you for 60 to 70 cents on the dollar, they will probably finance you if you know how to ask. So if we know how to ask for subject to whenever we buy, then we're going to buy subject to. And that's just about as clear and simple as I can make it. 
Question number two. What if someone had very little to no money for a budget to invest in marketing or funds to help with the typical seller issues associated with subject to transactions? So the basic question here being, what if you have no money? How do you get started? Well, there's two types of marketing. There's sweat and there's paid marketing. Well, it's my presumption that sweat marketing is actually more expensive because you have to value your time. But if you have time and you have very little money, which some of you may be in that situation, I probably was when I started because I certainly had no no money. OK, uh, you have to go down the, the marketing path that interests you. So what I'm seeing right now is that cold calling is working very well. You can get a auto dialer for you know roughly one hundred dollars a month and you know call a pre foreclosure list. If that's allowed in your state, if it's not, then maybe a property tax tax lien list or uh, code violations, divorce list. There, there's it's almost unlimited the amount of motivation or types of motivation that can be created to sell real estate. But. I would look at doing cold calling. I would look at um, if you're wanting to do more of the creative finance, owner financing and that kind of stuff, then doing a lot of networking with the people that are in the business as wholesalers is going to be very beneficial to us because if they are just doing the 70% minus repairs, minus their fee type of offer, then they're leaving a lot of money on the table, guys. And if you know some of these people and you understand creative deal making and that you can make a lot of money at 80 to 85% of value by creating wraps and doing it safely and effectively, then you're going to benefit by networking with these people and just say, hey, you know, I'm interested in the deals that you're not. So if you have a motivated seller, you know, let's work something out. We'll pay you a bird dog fee towards your marketing or whatever you work out. And that's going to be a benefit to everyone. Not least of all is our seller because these people have real problems and the wholesalers can't solve all of them. Question number three. When you first started getting into owner finance subject to who was your mentor and who did you gain knowledge from to gain the the confidence to accomplish your goals. Uh, without a doubt is David Alexander. David Alexander was my first mentor. He's still a very, very good friend of mine. And he's probably the 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 best creative finance deal maker that I've ever seen. Question number four, do you have a set script for dealing with potential sub two sellers? Yes, absolutely. And what are their typical objections that you encounter? Well, part of the script is a, acknowledging their objections and answering them before they can ask the question. So the two that we see the most is what happens if the buyer stops making payments and how long is this loan going to be in my name? So we, we address each of those in the script work that we've created. Question number five, I think I've heard you are working on your own course for subject two. However, whose training course or mentoring would you recommend for this aspect of the business? I'm not really sure because I, I don't have access to other people's courses and and I, I can't recommend them if I don't know their stuff. So I really apologize. I don't know who to send you there. Question number six, do you like a specific formula like wholesalers use to determine a deal for subject to deals? Not really. So it can really depend on the transaction. So I really don't like to take a deal if there's less than $30,000 in equity position there, but I might go down to 25 if it's a 50K exit. So in other words, if we're buying something for 25 and selling for 50, you know, I might go down to 25. You know, we can't necessarily say that there's a ceiling when it comes to the the loan to purchase. So we could absolutely pay 90% of, of as-is value and make that work. But it, again, has to be at a low rate. So the determining factors for these kinds of things is, number one, what's the underlying rate? Number two, what is the, the purchase to the value? Number three, is it rural or is it a metro area? Number four, how dire is the situation for the seller? So, I mean, I've done deals where uh, I might have kind of a marginal marginal deal, but 
I can help the seller out. So I don't mind doing that. But you have to make those decisions for yourself. Question number seven, have you or do you use private funding to acquire deals? Yes, I do. Or do you focus on acquiring via subject to and or owner financing? So I guess the answer is both. If you do use private funding, could you elaborate on how you got started? Yes. So about, I don't know, 70% of our transactions are some type of owner finance. So whether that's traditional owner financing or we're buying a property subject to. So it's a lot of our transactions are without, you know, needing to borrow money or put our own cash into the deal. And that allows us to do a lot of deal flow, you know, but that's, again, a learned skill. To talk about how I got involved in private money, and I'm going to do an episode on this, maybe with my friend Mitch Stevens, but who has right now $14 million in, in private money. But in essence, whenever you guys go to borrow private money, the, the question is like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which came first, the relationship or the deal? And so what I would submit to you is I really prefer that you guys go and get a really clean, easy deal first and then take that to a private money person because I have a lot of private money friends now and they're kind of inundated with people that want to go and have lunch with them and talk to them. And I mean, these people are really great, nice people, but they just don't have time. So what I would submit to you is find a good deal, go to the private money person. So to tell you about my deal, I had a house under contract for $50,000 and three doors down, a house was selling for 186. Mine needed work. That one was a, a really good house at 186. But, you know, I could very easily show value and that I knew halfway what I was doing. And that private money person is, has actually become a very, very good friend of mine. And we still do a lot of transactions with, with him and his family. Question number eight, when you exit on owner finance, do you sell on land contract, mortgage, lease option, et cetera? Uh, we do straight owner financing. So the buyer takes the deed at closing. We take back the note and deed of trust or the, or the note and the mortgage. We do not want ownership in the property. We want to own the paper. The, the problem with, with land contracts and lease options is that you're undoubtedly going to get the property back at a far, far higher rate than what you are going to with owner financing. So if that's your business model to like kind of sell it off and then get it back, sell it off, get it back again, then that's fine. We don't want the property back. We just want the payments and the payoff. Okay. Question number nine, how does this affect your dealings with Dodd-Frank and RMLOs? So the Dodd-Frank Act is kind of like a, a anti-owner finance act in part is actually to create a lot of banking regulation. Um, and I've heard that there's some things changing with Dodd-Frank, that they're doing some um, some additions to that law to change the owner finance part. But I don't know if that's true or if it's been done or not. Um, basically, the short answer is if you're concerned about, about Dodd-Frank, don't originate. So in a lot of our transactions, we have our sellers originate the loan and then assign the note and mortgage or deed of trust to us. That's the short answer. Number 10, when you sell with owner financing, do you have your buyers meet with a credit repair company to get them ready to cash you out in a year or two? Or do you not worry about that and are happy if they continue to pay you for the life of the loan? So this is really two questions. Number one, what's our credentials for our buyers? And then secondly, uh, do we want the, the note to pay off or not? And I'm going to answer them in reverse order. So on some of our transactions, we do want the loan to pay off. And in some, on some of them, we don't. And the difference is going to be what is our return on the equity? So you may have transactions where you have a $20,000 note equity position that throws off $6,000 a year in net interest. Well, where are you going to take $20,000 passively and make $6,000 a year in interest? Well, it's very, very difficult, if not impossible. So a transaction like that, we would want that to pay off. 
But let's say it's it's a little bit different. Let's say we had a note that threw off $6,000 a year and there's an $80,000 note position. Well, that's one that we would probably want to refinance and we would deal with that buyer accordingly. So do we have them meet with um, a credit repair company or anything like that? We don't, but we try to get the ones to refinance that we want to refinance. And the ones that that we don't want to refinance, we really don't push that, although they are certainly able and capable of doing so if that's what they choose. So I guess the short answer is it depends. All right, guys, that is all the questions that Luke sent over to me. If you have a question, be sure and add me on Facebook, Brad Smotherman, or you can email me at smotherman.brad at gmail.com, and I'll try to get back with you as soon as I can. I've had a lot of people add me on Facebook recently, and I appreciate that very much. Some people saying that they really enjoy the podcast and some of the episodes that I've been on on other podcasts. So I've really enjoyed it, guys. I mean, this is a lot of fun for me, and and to be able to impart some knowledge uh, is is something that I want to do. So Hope that all makes sense. Go out and do some good deals. Spring is here, guys. The buyers are out. They have tax money. They're putting down good payments. We're currently looking at a 50K down payment on one of our houses right now. So hope that makes sense. You guys have a great day and happy investing. 